0: This afternoon was prepared by Reverend Peter Oldwool from the Spring Creek Canadian Reformed Church in Timmins, Ontario. After the sermon, we will respond by singing Psalm 72, verses one through five. Last time. Still there is more to be in God's image. It also involves representing God from creation as his vice regent, as his appointed king over creation. The Lord speaks of this task in the same breath as he speaks of his image in verse 26. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. by force, nations are subdued, enemies are subdued, and slaves are said to be subdued. It means bringing someone or something under your control, your authority, so that it does your will. Well, in the creation, as yet without any sin, the negative connotation cannot be there. Yet we should understand from this word that the earth did not automatically bring forth its riches or its resources and drop them. ways to access those products, to materials. The earth was created as a place without sin, but not without developed. A world with incredible, endless potential for growth, expansion, and advancement. But man had to go after it. Man and his labor are like a key which unlocks the potential of the earth. We see that so clearly in Eden itself. In the garden, the Lord started out and Eve off with a growth Them a stock supply of food to get them going, but he expected them to work for their daily bread too. The Lord had also given man every seed very plant for food, but to receive the benefits of that, to receive a crop of meat, or barley or potatoes or poor coal or whatever else they had at their disposal, man would have to work. Man had to till the earth of Eden. Man had to In order for them to receive the benefit of the seed bearing plants, Adam and Eve had to plant the seeds and nurture them along. You see, brothers and sisters, a sinless world does not equal a worthless world. It's a common misconception that many of us have and we need to get rid of it. Work is a good thing, a blessing thing. People often carry this misconception forward to the future to heaven in the next life. They think it's going to be a place of eternal rest and work, where we constantly sing God's praises in one great big mass of choir. Even unbelievers, when they come around to think of heaven, see us as angels simply floating on the clouds and eating Philadelphia cream cheese. But the Bible knows nothing of that at all. We will remain fully human when we die on the last day we will be raised from the dead in this very same flesh, and we in our glorified flesh will be brought not only to the new heaven, but also to a new earth, to this present earth made new by the purifying fire of God. Is there any reason to think we won't do then what we were created to do in the beginning? We are people of the earth, given dominion over the earth. Why wouldn't we carry on that task now in perfection under the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ? So having dominion over the earth is to subdue the earth with our daily work. It means bringing creation under our control, not to dominate it as a full taskmaster, not to mistreat it, but to bring out the potential within. We should be more concerned than the environmentalists to care for this earth. Because unlike them, we know that it is God's hand, and we are to keep this creation as God's image bearers. And God will never abuse his own work. Instead, our task is to work with the raw materials provided by God and develop them in accordance with their nature. To make them do what they can do, and make them be what they can be, as the Lord gave every part of his creation its ability. By bringing that ability, possibility to light, making it happen, we show not only the wonder of creation, but through this work of our hands, we demonstrate the wisdom, power, and majesty of the Creator. Whatever beauty we can develop, whatever technology we can produce, whatever good and useful purpose we can make the earth and its resources serve, all of it is only possible because God created the earth with that potential, and He created us with that ability. And this applies to the animals just as well. We are to rule over them. We are to exercise authority over them so that they too can fulfill their potential for advancement and development. Let's think about Adam and Eve's situation again to make this more concrete. There they were in the Garden of Eden with a command to work the earth. How were they going to do that? Perhaps at first they began with their hands in the soil But it's not hard to imagine that they soon reached for the branch of a tree to form some kind of basic hole or shovel. We know for a fact that all sorts of animals roam through the moon, including, undoubtedly, horses and oxen. So the thought could not be too far from Adam's mind to harness the strength of these animals in order to help him till the earth. That way he could till more of it faster. more exercise. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Your labor in the for the lord Find Let the water team with living creatures and let birds. let's add to that, the Mormon perversion of polygamy, wants to undermine the redeeming work of Christ by destroying God's creation pattern. They strive to prevent man from going forward with his dominion over the earth as God's image bearer. Stop marriage, break down marriage, and you break down the kingdom of God. But we who are married in the Lord work to promote the redeeming work of Christ right in our own home that we connect marriage to having dominion over the earth. When we think about what the Bible says about marriage, we tend to jump immediately to Genesis 2, where Eve was formed from Adam's side, and then give it to him in marriage. And that is a very key text. But let's understand that already in Genesis 1, verse 28, the Lord spoke in a summary way about marriage, about the coming together of male and female in a relationship that would produce offspring. He also spoke about children who would grow up and take their place beside their parents in the subduing of the earth. Let's see here that it is God's command to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. Having children for a married couple is not an option. It's commanded. Now I know there are legitimate exceptions to this rule. In our fallen world, God also sometimes gives to some individuals the gift of being content The Lord Jesus speaks about that, and the Apostle Paul was one such person. Such a person has different opportunities and responsibilities to exercise dominion over the earth and spread the kingdom of God. You can also think of married people who are physically unable to have children or to have more children than they presently have. As a result of the general corruption of sin, this does happen and is often a source of great sorrow. Think of Barry and Rachel with the Bible, or Hannah, or Elizabeth. Such couples should understand that their marriage is still in every way a complete marriage. We'll speak about this more in Genesis 2. But marriage is the joining of one man to one woman under God. Children are an addition to that. God builds a wonderful blessing upon them. But children do not love themselves, make or break. It is also true that a childless couple can in time come to see that God has a different purpose for their lives and presents them with different opportunities to serve in his kingdom, but it often still hurts deeply that they can't have children of their own. That sorrow highlights that childless couples are the exception to the general rule that married people, and then particularly married believers, are to be fruitful and multiply. And that's the point now. Children should be desired by those who marry. If you don't want children, don't get married. And children should not be desired in the first place because they are so cute or to carry on the family need. They are not supposed to be a source of pride (coughs) for us, but to be a source of glory for God. A lot of people today want kids in order to have a nice family for themselves. One boy, one girl, kind of like one for dad and one for mom. But the children are not for mom and dad. They are for the Lord. They are not even from mom and dad ultimately, but they are from the Lord, and so they are for the Lord. Brothers and sisters, being children, being very children, being fruitful, must be connected with having dominion over the earth as image (coughs) bearers of God. Forget that. The Lord Jesus has renewed that part of our creation mandate too, and has given purpose and meaning to childbearing. It's not just to keep the human race going, but it's to expand the kingdom of God and raise up new kingdom citizens. Now I know all sorts of questions come up with this subject. How many children is enough? How many? instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. This life is not a rapper. It's a dignified...